What if we have been wrong? Those were the words of the man considered the father of the abortion industry who was personally involved in the deaths of some 75,000 unborn babies. Today we have a very special guest with us, Terry Beatley, who will share the story of his change of heart and what it means for America. Welcome to Speak Up Virginia, equipping you to speak up on the life, family, and freedom issues that matter most to you. From the Family Foundation, I'm your host, Candy Cushman, and I'm joined today by our special guest and author, Terry Beatley. Well, Terry, it is such an honor and a joy to be able to interview you today. So let's just start by letting our listeners know a little bit more about you. You're the author of a very important book called What If We've Been Wrong? Keeping My Promise to America's Abortion King, in which you share this amazing story of how you interviewed Dr. Bernard Nathanson, the co-founder of NARAW Pro-Choice America. Now, this is one of the nation's oldest and largest pro-abortion groups. And so we're going to get a bit more into that story in just, just a bit here. But you're also the president of the Hosea Initiative, which is really dedicated to changing hearts and minds about abortion, bringing healing to our nation on this issue, and really just exposing this whole lie that abortion is just another form of health care. Well, Candy, thank you for having me on. It's a great opportunity. Uh, I'm a lifelong Virginian, and it's great to be able to get this message out all across this state and beyond. Uh, Dr. Bernard Nathanson's story is one of, uh, it really reflects love, uh, redemption, the enormous amount of God's mercy, including mercy shown to the doctor who was once known as America's abortion king. That is so interesting. I can't wait to get into this. But just real quick to let our listeners know a little bit about you personally. You mentioned you've been married 35 years, right? And I know that's impossible by the way I look. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, I married my high school sweetheart. We've been married 35 years. We are lifelong Virginians and we have two grown uh, girls. How do they feel about just how your life has become dedicated to getting this message out? Uh, well, I think in the beginning it was a challenge. <laughs> uh, they probably thought mom was a bit nuts, but uh, but they, the, I think more than anything, they've seen the importance of perseverance. Yeah, the, it really is a calling. You can kind of see that just exuding out of you that God, this is a passion God's put in your heart. So I'm glad your family's getting used it's to funny. it. Now. I know we'll get into this, but it's not like I asked for it. That's right. the interesting part. <laughs> Well, let's just start off today's topic with these key words. What if we have been wrong? Terry, explain to us the significance of that question in your life right now. Well, those words were written by Dr. Bernard Nathanson, and those words were in his resignation letter to uh, Lawrence Later, who was the director of what became known as NARAL Pro-Choice America. Dr. Nathanson resigned from NARAL about two years after seeing the baby on a brand new technology in 1973, real-time ultrasound. He saw the baby for the very first time, yawning, stretching, smiling, wiggling her toes, and he began to bond with the baby. And he told me in the interview, he said, Terry, real-time ultrasound was the bomb. It made everything come alive. That is amazing because this is a man that was making a lucrative career, right, out of doing abortions and overseeing one of the largest pro-abortion groups. Absolutely. Tell, tell us a little, give us a little more context about Dr. Nathanson, what it means that he was the co-founder 
of this group. Well, he partnered up with Lawrence Later. Interesting, they were two uh, Jewish men from New York City who formed this pro-abortion political action organization with the purpose of getting abortion legalized in all 50 states. It had already been legalized in about 12 or 13 states at that time. And so he, but Lawrence Later knew he needed a medical doctor to be the face of the abortion movement. Dr. Nathanson, he was an OBGYN, and he was also an atheist. He was Jewish, but he was an atheist, and he had not a seedling of doubt. He never calculated what it would do to our society, to our culture, to become a country that kills the babies in the womb. I think Dr. Nathanson really believed he was doing the right thing for women. Now, this Dr. Nathanson eventually ended up becoming the one that pushed Planned Parenthood into doing abortions, right? Tell us about that well, real quick. It, it, in a way, uh, yeah, it's kind of in, in a side way. So in 1970, NARAL joined with other you know, uh, pro, uh, pro-abortion-minded people to try to overturn the 140-year-old law in the state of New York, uh, which had protected babies in the womb. And uh, they flipped that law in 18 months. Um, However, before that happened, Dr. Nathanson went to Planned Parenthood and begged them to join with NARAL in trying to get abortion legalized in New York. Planned Parenthood refused, but once the law was overturned, Um, And this, we have basically an overnight $62, $63 million industry in the state of New York, New York alone. Planned Parenthood, as far as I'm concerned, saw the money they were leaving on the table and they uh, reached back out to Dr. Nathanson. And so for the next two years, he trained Planned Parenthood doctors in how to kill babies in the womb. Now, you hear this story and you just think someone like that that has such a key role in Planned Parenthood even getting into this. I think the average person assumes that person is kind of a lost cause. They're not going to change on this. Their heart's going to be hardened. But that didn't turn out to be the case, right? No, not at all. I mean, they got what they wanted. So and then he ran the largest abortion uh, facility in the Western Hemisphere. They were killing 800, 900 babies per week in New York City at this one facility. And then um, he was working as chief of obstetrics at a hospital in New York, and he's birthing babies. He's aborting babies at the same hospital, but the hospital rolls in that brand new technology, real-time ultrasound. And so that that was the beginning of his pro-life conversion. And then ultimately, he knew there was no reason any woman would have to abort her baby And he was actually trying to figure out ways how, you know, if a woman didn't want her baby, how quickly could they get the baby out of the womb and preserve the baby's life as well as try to meet the woman's wishes? And then his path crossed with a Catholic priest in New York. And for the next five and a half, six years, um, the Catholic priest served as his spiritual director. And somewhere along the line, Dr. Nathanson stopped contemplating suicide. And he uh, realized he was contemplating more the love and mercy of Jesus Christ. It's that such is, a that beautiful is amazing. I love story that. of redemption. Yeah. Yes. So we just need to remember as we're all being faithful and trying to, to battle for America re- to return for a regard for life, that there isn't any heart that's unchangeable, that God can reach anyone. And just the power of also facts like the ultrasound presents and the power of God to change someone. We have those two things on our side and it's more powerful than we realize we shouldn't underestimate those things. Thanks for tuning in. If you're just now joining us for Speak Up Virginia, 
brought to you by the Family Foundation. For more information about us or the topics we're addressing, you can visit familyfoundation.org. That's familyfoundation.org. All right, well, let's just fast forward to several years later when Dr. Nathanson, who again was considered the abortion king, found himself dying of cancer. Now, this really is just an incredible story that really had to be a God thing. How did you find yourself in Manhattan doing an interview with him at this, you know, when he is starting to near the end of his life? It's a great lesson in be careful what you ask for. Uh, this goes back to 2009, and I had been going into churches in Virginia teaching the history of Planned Parenthood and the worldview of Margaret Sanger. That's uh, she founded Planned Parenthood. Many people were responding and encouraging me to never stop teaching this because it was all about exposing the racist population control plan of Planned Parenthood. So I found myself in November of 09 at a prayer vigil at my church and I just wanted, I wanted direction. And all I could hear was go interview Dr. Bernard Nathanson. And so I ended up finding his number, called up there. He lived in Manhattan, New York. His wife answered and she said, Terry, she said, my husband has not granted an interview in well over a year. He's 83, terminally ill with cancer. And she said, all I can tell you to do is put your request in writing, fax it up here, and I'll present it to my husband, but don't get your hopes up. And I said, okay. So I wrote the letter. She called me back a few days later. And she said, Terry, to my amazement, he said, yes. Well, what was it like when you walked in there? I mean, was, was he just ready to share his story and explain kind of his regrets or how, how yeah. does this even start? Well, it's funny. I, I write about this in detail because I really want people to understand. I'm not a professional interviewer like you, Candy, okay? I, I And when I public speak, I share this. If I had been an animal, I was a toad because <laughs> I could feel my heartbeat just like <laughs> coming right out of my throat area. And for the next hour, I sat beside the doctor, as far as I'm concerned, completely redirected the course of American what would become known as American history. And this man so grieved what he was leaving behind. Mm. Wow, that's powerful. Now this interview led to a promise that you were still keeping today. Explain that to us a little bit. Yeah, um, you know, I, of course I went up there with a list of questions, but at the end I asked a question that I didn't have written down. So I felt such empathy for him, so I said, Dr. Nathanson, I know you're too sick to get your message out anymore. I said, if you have a message for America, tell me what it is, and I promise you I will deliver it across our nation until it becomes common knowledge or until Roe v. Wade is overturned, whichever one comes first. And I had no idea what he would say. And, um, and he said, yes. He said, continue teaching the strategy of how I deceived America, and then tell America that the co-founder of NARAL says to love one another, abortion is not love. Stop the killing. The world needs more love, and I'm all about love now. How has it been after that going forward? <laughs> I'm in Manhattan. I'm thinking, oh my gosh, what have I just done? I not only made the promise, but I shook the man's hand. It's like, that's a serious promise. I can sit here with you and I could put my hand on a Bible and I could make the promise that I have all of the evidence. It'll be book number two, that God wants 
Dr. Bernard Nathanson's legacy, his pro-abortion, but also equally and more important, his pro-life conversion and his pro-Jesus conversion, widely known. And there are very significant reasons for that. So it's been a journey. Well, one thing he also trusted you with sharing was this eight-point strategy of deception used by the abortion industry. And I'm really looking forward to going over that with you in the next episode. We're going to have Terry with us as a guest again for next week's episode, so don't miss that. She is going to tell us exactly what the strategy was for uh, some of the largest abortion industry powers that be and, you know, how to normalize this and promote it all across the nation. Um, but just to wrap things up for today, real quick, uh, tell us how the Hosea Initiative that you now oversee is focused on carrying out that promise you made to Dr. Nathanson. Uh, we we are an educational nonprofit, 501c3, and we educate, and we believe this is a biblical model for crushing the abortion industry. Mm-hmm. Now, that website, where would they go to find out about the Hosea Initiative? Yeah, it's hosea4u.org. So it's Hosea, like the book in the Bible, H-O-S-E-A, the number four, and then Y-O-U.org. Okay. And if you're looking just for the book right now, the easiest way, go to abortionking.com. That's abortionking.com. Um, and then real quick, um, you also have something, I think it's called Tuesdays with Terry. Is that right? That's right. Yeah, every Tuesday evening uh, at 7 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, I give a live presentation on different components of the legacy of Dr. Bernard Nathanson. Well, I also just want to take a moment right now to say if this is resonating with your heart today and you find yourself thinking, well, what can I do to take a stand for the unborn babies in Virginia specifically? I want to tell you about the upcoming Virginia March for Life on Friday, September 17th in downtown Richmond. Make sure you put that on your calendar. Come out and march with thousands of like-minded people. Uh, again, that's Virginia March for Life on Friday, September 17th in downtown Richmond. And if you want to know more about that and how to participate, you can do things like bringing a church bus or church van from your neighborhood and fill that up with people. Um, go to familyfoundation.org. That's familyfoundation.org and just click on the Virginia March for Life banner. Thanks for joining us for this week's Speak Up Virginia. Brought to you by the Family Foundation. Visit us at familyfoundation.org. That's familyfoundation.org. See you next time. And don't forget, we are stronger when we speak together.